Nashville, Tennessee is home to some of the world's finest musicians. From country music to R&B to hip-hop and everything in between, if you've heard it, Nashville's got it. But ever since I moved to the city in 2013, I've met some incredible musicians who fall in between the cracks. Amazing musicians who are passionate about that other music. So I'm not here to talk about the music you've probably heard. I'm here to introduce you to them, illuminate their music, and share their stories. My name is David Rogers. I'm an improviser, composer, and pianist here in Music City, USA. And I want to welcome you to the Improviser's Corner. On today's episode, I get to sit down and chat with longtime Nashville-based pianist, composer, and improviser, Chris Walters. We talk about his brilliant and prolific creative output in the last few years, from his creative process at the piano, to his hand-drawn animations, to the role that his pets play in shaping his music. Plus, he tells us the story of how he became part of the legendary band, Alabama. At the time, um, I, I was uh, I, I lived in New, New Orleans for quite a while. I finished high school and then went to college in St. Louis, Missouri. My dad moved up there for work, so we lived in St. Louis for a bit, and then I moved up to to New York for three years at the end of the uh, 1980s, and um, struggled up there, but was eventually making a go of it, and then I got a call. Um, to audition for Barbara Mandrell down here in Nashville uh, to be her music director. And at that time, I had no interest in moving to Nashville or being in country music. Um, I really wanted to be a jazz pianist, uh, a working jazz pianist yeah. and, and recording jazz pianist. And uh, I didn't expect to get the gig, but I was in a place in my life where I had a lot of time to myself where I was like, okay, you, you have to decide, are you going to be a musician? Are you going to, are you going to do the work? I borrowed the money to fly down here to audition, but I really had no intent of even being offered the job. I just wanted the experience. And I said, I just dove in when I got those tapes. I'm like, I'm going to do all the work I know how to do as if I'm the guy for this gig. And I mean, I dove into it. I learned everything the piano player and keyboard player did in the live show. I just transcribed it all and memorized it. Wow. I mean, I was spending nights just going over my head, visualizing myself playing the show. That whole thing. That's yeah. I don't know if that's what it takes for a lot of musicians, but a lot of times I've learned about my own abilities or lack of abilities where that's what it takes, where I have to immerse myself, my mind, my body, everything into the goal. And uh, I mean, I, I went in there completely prepared, uh, probably more prepared than most of the auditionees, and there were quite a few of them. Again, this is not to pat myself on the back. It was more of a learning process for me. It's like, oh, well, you can do anything if you dive into it head first with only that goal in mind, yeah. you know. So it was a big learning experience for me. And I got offered the job. And I, at the time, my uh, my girlfriend, Susie, who's now my wife, uh, I called her and I said, well, I got offered the job. 
And I go, I just don't, I don't know if I want to take it and move and stuff. I've got stuff going on in New York. She goes, why would you not take that gig? So I did. Uh -huh. And we got married and we have three kids and uh, life's been great. up becoming kind of a, a mainstay in the country scene for a while. You played with Alabama. I did, yeah. I had eight, eight great years with the band Alabama and uh, they're a trip. In fact, I'm going to be driving down to Fort Payne, Alabama to play with Teddy Gentry, the bass player with Alabama. Wow. He called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, are you free for this? I need you. It's not an Alabama date. Uh, it's with him for something. But I still keep in touch with him mostly, all the guys, but mostly him. Um, He's a really good friend, really interesting musician. And of course, those guys, I mean, they shot to the moon, yeah. you know. I mean, but it wasn't quick for them. They had, they had started back in the 60s uh, in high school. They're cousins, the, th the three main guys are cousins. And they started playing, you know, bars and nightclubs yeah. in Alabama, then moving on. And it wasn't till 1978 that they even got recognized, sure. you know, so... For for you coming from New York with a jazz sensibility and with that in your in your mind, mm -hmm. what was that transition or or, was, or direction change like for it, you? It was great. It was again one of those things, and maybe we'll get into this. Uh, you'll, I'll discuss all this. There's something in my personality that always believes I can do something, even that it's always been that way. Yeah, let's talk about and, that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, I, and I, it's really not smart. I mean, it's stupidity on my part because I dive into things that I really can't do. But that said, um, there was a steep learning curve when I moved to Nashville. Uh, I was, as you were, I was trained classically. I'm, I, I'm not as good a music reader as I was, but there's times in my life, obviously it's a skill that if you don't do it as much, you lose some of the speed of, of, of reading. And it's it's a constant learning purpose, uh, a constant learning thing for me that um, that music's a wide spectrum. The other learning curve for reading, especially and learning, was the Nashville number system. Mm. I mean, I understood uh, figured bass to an extent. I, I'm not a great figured bass reader, but as far as the number system, the Nashville number system. I just didn't grasp it at all. I bought uh, Chad Williams' book, The Nashville. People were saying, well, you got to learn to write and read number charts. And I was like, why? I know how to write and read notation. And yeah. why, why bother? Like, no. And I mean, I quickly learned, it took, it took, I quickly learned how important it was. I did not quickly, it took me 
a year to really immerse into well how this works and what happens is all musicians have a different way they like to read whether it's i want a two four bar to be written this way but and that's still an ongoing process of trying to decide well what does this musician want to how do they want to read it but that said the Nashville number system was one of the most amazing amazing creations i've ever come across mm. it's the whole aspect of it is you can play in any key, which of course we all want, have to be able to do as yeah. professional musicians. But it simplifies the process so, so much. I had no idea when I moved here, as, as I guess my point. That was a steep learning curve. Mm. And I was, I'm like blown away that I was that clueless at how important of an invention and how, how it, it, it transcends a lot of different musics. Like you can think yeah. in simple numbers and you can play anything in any key. It's, I love it. It's yeah. amazing. You're one of the most prolific artists here in town that I personally know, just on a personal level. And I'm wondering, how are you able to keep creating such high quality music? It seems like every six months you have a new project out. Well, that, <laughs> this last year has been that way, but this not honestly, it's not been that way. I mean, uh, Cool Blue Swing uh, is 2002. Yay, Everybody, Yay is 2012. And then Boneyard Thieves is 2018 and Whisper and Howl is 2019. So these last two somehow just exploded. And, and I guess but, there was that uh, the Dave Liebman live at uh, Third oh, Lindsay that came yes, out correct. in that span too. And I, you, exactly. you're playing on that is fantastic oh, as well. Thank you. So it kind of feels like there's been three albums in yeah, the last gotcha. 12 months or something. Right, yeah. Well, that's, that's an ama that was an amazing night. Obviously working with all those musicians, uh, Chester Thompson and Victor, and of course Dave and Jeff. And James De Silva. I mean, I honestly, I I loved everyone's playing on that, and I love all. I mean, obviously, I mean, those are some of the top musicians on the planet and have been for a while. But James De Silva just knocked me out. Oh, yeah. that, especially that night, like witnessing it that night, I was like, whoa, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So so maybe talk a little bit about your creative output, especially in this last year. What has yeah. allowed you to, to well, put out so much? I, Great music. What happens? Thank you for saying that. Um, what what happens is when I spend a lot of time at the instrument at the piano, mm -hmm. which and over a course of time of months, where I'm playing three four hours a day, let's say, yeah, and working on a variety of stuff, whether it's Bach or Chopin or Stravinsky or Bud Powell or mm -hmm. Monk or, you know, Chick, Korea, mm -hmm. or something. It, it, it's just a conglomeration. Once I dive in deep to this music, um, I'm very close to the piano at that point, where it's a, the cliche, it's an extension of me at that point, because I know it, I'm, I'm in, inside, you know, over the course of a few weeks or a month or two, several months, playing that often, I get in these zones where things just free up 
and um, and I'll just start improvising, kind of like we did uh, in that segment. And ideas start flowing, and I don't know where they come from, but I just know that it's because I'm very close to the instrument and to the sound and to to things. And of course, you try to avoid all the pitfalls of your own vocabulary that you've developed and have overplayed for years. And so you try new things. And out of that comes new ideas. You know, I also read a lot. I used to read uh, more fiction. I'm still, I still read a lot of fiction, but I read a, a lot of things. I'm into John Krakauer's books right now, which I've read before, but I'm really fascinated by by uh, actually by fiction almost uh, in a different way than I am by nonfiction in that the the truth comes out that whole idea of the truth being innately within something that's actually fiction is mm -hmm. fascinating to me yeah. and so I say all that because I read a lot a lot of things are bubbling in my mind and that all influences how I approach writing something like that where it you know it takes a tremendous amount of reflection personal reflection honesty yeah. and how are you able to evaluate that whether in the moment or later yeah. on if you record it or something um well recording it helps i mean even sitting with uh, i mean i used to sit with a sony cassette player and record mm -hmm. myself and listen back and i would you find a lot of flaws um and they're frustrating. Uh, I, I think about that a lot because I, I have learned to work on my flaws. Mm. And I, and that's over the course of many, many, of, of decades, to be honest with you. But, um, I think about the great players who I admire where this, this perfection, this musculature, this physical, Uh, ability to accomplish um, music, not just at a high level musically uh, in terms of 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 ideas and and improvisation stuff, but the whole idea of touch, the the articulation of the piano, the way an, every note has weight. Mm. Um, Bill Evans to me to a super extreme. That's what he's brought to me is I've, I've listened a lot to him as we all have. And to me, the whole idea that every note, not every note is not articulated the same. I don't mean that. I mean that every note he plays is as important as the last note. And I don't have that ability. I work towards it, but I don't know how he did that. I don't understand it. It's yeah. superhuman to me. Well, yeah, um, I think that's a good point because it kind of demystifies greatness. Mm -hmm. a little bit because it's not just something that falls from the sky and, and mm -hmm. falls on certain chosen individuals it takes an incredible amount of hard work that makes sense to me and that yeah. actually because it, I, that's all i can think of is like well these guys have a really great ability to focus mm -hmm. and they're going to spend the hours they're going to spend the time they're going to spend the, and they know how to spend the time 
you know, to make it effortless because that's the whole idea. Right. The Kenny Warner effortless mastery. Exactly. I mean, to me, there's very few people have, who have accomplished that on the level that, say, a Bill Evans mm. or somebody has. Yeah, yeah. spoke a little earlier about the piano as an extension of, of your playing and your, your artistry. Uh, your animations are also an extension of your artistry in a really cool and unique way. And if people Thank haven't you. checked them out, we'll make sure there's a link okay. where, where they can. Yeah. Um, when did that start? That's such a kind of a wacky thing. Well, I'm, I'm not a trained animator or trained uh, graphic artist at all. It's all uh, like just my own doing. I, I've, I've, but I've always drawn, even, like we all have. I mean, you know, typical kid stuff. Um, but in the in the early '90s, there was some software that came out that allowed you to make really rudimentary line drawing animations. So I explored that. Although I consider myself a hack as an animator, I am a very vigilant student of the history and mm. the tools and the, I have studied animation. I, it's a very deep subject to me. It's very close to my heart. And the cool thing is because it's now a little over a hundred years old, we've got all these tools that the great animators that you've you might've heard of, or you know their work with Disney or with Warner Brothers, um, they've created a language and a way of doing things that enables you to skip just experimenting, trying things like you can go, okay, well, this walk cycle looks this way. I can tweak it my own way. Yeah. But if I were to spend that just willy nilly, like doing it from the get go, I'd be spending weeks just trying to get a walk cycle down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now I actually have the tools. Oh, I like the way. I don't know, Snow White walks here. Yeah. How did they do that? Well, all that information is available to you. So you learn that, right. you can even copy it, and then you then you figure out how to tweak that for your own purposes to make it look like you want to make your character feel, you feel the illusion of life within that character your way, not the Disney way, but at least you had that template yeah so that's i find that fascinating i'm yeah. thankful for all that totally yeah. yeah and something you said earlier actually just sort of connect these dots and maybe you can speak to this a little bit as well we, we kind of spoke about the way that masters like bill evans are so cognizant of every note being intentional mm -hmm. animation is kind of a similar process because every every change from slide to slide or however it works from frame to frame has to be intentional it, right? exactly and, and so there is that kind of crossover yeah that's want, interesting yeah i didn't even think of that that's that's a pretty astute uh, observation actually yeah that's cool there was a dog we had before her lazarus who uh was a, a, a brown and yellow lab mix, 
who I had a very tumultuous relationship with. I, for many reasons, which we don't have time or inclination to get into right now, but we had a, he was a great dog. And I feel bad about having the tumultuous relationship with him. He died in like 2012, 2013. That said, to this day, there's, he influences me at the piano in this way. He loved music so, and he loved being around me and around people. So does Bailey. Bailey just loves having you guys here. It just means the world to her. But Lazarus would, while I was practicing, usually I'd be playing some difficult Bach passage or maybe some Stravinsky that was just driving me nuts. And Lazarus would come over here and just plop down on my right foot. <laughs> like, so I couldn't really move it to get to the sustain pedal. Obviously with Bach, you're not supposed to use a sustain pedal anyway. But that said, it was really frustrating initially um, when he did that because I was like, well, you know, I would kind of move him initially, but eventually it got to be such a common occurrence that I just left it. He would plop basically on top of my foot and I'd be sitting practicing these difficult passages, but I would learn to get through them because I was practicing. So to this day, that said, to this day, when I'm learning a difficult pa uh, passage, I often imagine him coming and mm. plopping down on my, I have to do that just to get through the passage. I'm like, I have to feel that connection with him or that I have to feel like he's doing that. Wow. To me. So I don't know. That probably helps. That's answer beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the other animal we had that was way into music and that I had a really close relationship with was Gatsby, the cat, my daughter's cat, one eyed red tabby cat, <laughs> but he would jump while I was practicing, he'd jump onto the piano bench and he'd just sit there and look up at me with that one eye and I'd be playing and he'd, he'd take his paw and rub my hand. So I'd be like, oh, he wants me to pound. So I'd stop practicing and I'd start petting him and he'd paw the piano. So I'd go back to playing and then he'd paw my hand. Well, eventually I realized he wanted me to do this the whole time. Yeah, it's like, he was just my buddy. So that, so there, I don't know if that answers. Yeah, that's those, awesome. Those two animals were actually were more influential. In that's cool. Inspira inspiring me. Yeah. Sorry, Bailey. I love you, girl, but you just don't care. <laughs> um, lastly, I, I'm always curious about, about people's answers to this question, mm -hmm. which is any wisdom that you now know or anything that you know now that you would impart to it the younger version of yourself. Maybe when you first moved to New York or first moved to Nashville. Yeah. Hmm. I would say, I don't know, the, the quick answer would be, I wanted to play piano when I was seven, and it was due to watching my parents' black and white TV, and I was watching, I think it was Van Cliburn playing a concert, wow. and I zoned in, and I was like, I can do that. Not, I want to learn to do that. Mm. I can do that. So my mom, who played piano when she was younger, bought this old upright grand that had a player in it that didn't work and it was out of tune it was just a beat up it was it probably cost him like fifty dollars <laughs> it was a horrible piano but that said i'm seven and i think i can do this yeah not i want to learn how to do this i'm like oh i'm going to sit down and be like van cliburn you know even though i didn't know van cliburn's name at the time well of course i sat down and started playing one note at first and then trying to do two hands and I was shocked at how horrible, like I didn't understand that, and this says a lot about my personality, I kind of touched on this earlier in our interview, 
I don't know why I think I can do things, but apparently I've always thought that That's and it. had to learn that I can't, that I have to learn it. So my advice to my younger self would be realize and welcome the work like mm. any that it's kind of cliche at this point, but anything worthwhile takes constant work. Mm. You're never, and that's the beauty. I talked about this with my son when he was learning guitar in high school. He learned how to sweep on guitar and he worked hard and he was great at it. And once he did, he goes, he goes, now I want to do something else. I hate sweeping on guitar. I was like, that's the curse of a musician, Zach. You never, no matter how good anyone gets, yeah. there's always more music to learn. I can never be bored because there's too much music to learn. There's too much great stuff that I can learn. So my advice to my younger self, be it, be it moving to Nashville or moving to New York, is be prepared to work. Like, mm -hmm. don't, don't ever think you've got this because that's not even where the fun is, right. you know? You think you can do stuff because it looks cool or sounds cool or is a great idea, but you can't. You will be able to, yeah. but you're going to have to really enjoy the deep amount of work it's going to take yeah. to get there yeah the joy lives in the process exactly Absolutely. precisely yeah mm -hmm. yeah well thanks chris this has been a blast thank thanks you so david much. yeah same here i, I really enjoyed it